I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The digital supply chain is incredibly complicated. Understanding what happens from where a dollar starts to where you reach a consumer, there's lots and lots of things that happen in the in the middle. And I think that from the CMO on down, you need to understand the trade-offs, where you're, where you're consciously making those trade-offs or where you're unknowingly making those trade-offs. Um, and that's education is, is kind of the reason why we exist. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm Jenny Rooney here at Adweek. I'm so thrilled today to have David Cohen on the podcast. David, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to see you. Um, you are um, leading the IAB, and I want to get into that because I'd love for you to tell everybody a little bit about you to start, and then we're going to get into really sort of your views on what marketers um, really need to be paying attention to and thinking about, As certainly as we move into 2024 and beyond. Um, we're going to kind of hit the high points around, um, you know, challenges and opportunities from your vantage point. And then obviously we're going to wrap with telling folks about the uh, upcoming uh, advertising leadership meeting in Florida in January, which we're so excited about being at. And um, we're going to do some pretty cool things together there. So David, would love for you to just start by introducing yourself and telling us all a little bit about you. Sure. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, so my uh, I was destined to be, or uh, supposed to be, a, uh, a doctor, according to my mother when I was growing up, and that uh, quickly changed after organic chemistry in college. And uh, I uh, got into the advertising business uh, and got into digital really early on, 1996, I believe, uh, and joined IPG, who I think you did a little stint at IPG recently, I believe. I did. Um, I was at Black Glass for a year. Yeah. yeah. So I did that for, I was at IPG for 21 years which is a long time in a variety of roles, um, Thunder House, Zentry Partners, UM Interactive. I ran digital domestically. I ran digital globally. Um, I ran Magna. And then um, about four years ago, uh, left IPG. And what does one do after 21 years on the agency side? I did a consulting gig for about eight months, which was nice and interesting, but not long term for me. Uh, and. I became along, and this was definitely not what I had anticipated as my next uh, my next stop. A trade association was not in the kind of realm of um, consideration, to be honest. But the more I talked to my predecessor, Randall Rothenberg, about it, the more interesting it became. Uh, and I thought that it was a really interesting time in the business 
to be at the center of the storm, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I think digital has rewritten the rules over the past 25 years uh, since we've been in the kind of media and marketing game. And for, for better or for worse, we've had our ups, we've had our downs. Uh, and I think that the time that we're living in right now is is possibly one of the most exciting. So I thought, what better place to be than to be in the the center of the industry that had served me so well and had been so generous to me over 20 plus years. Uh, and I haven't looked back. I started right when the pandemic started, uh, which was obviously not great timing. I started in March of, uh, of 2020. Uh, and I've been here three and a half years, and it has been a absolutely wild ride. So let's talk about that. For folks who are not familiar with the IAB, which I would find very hard to believe, tell us about it, why it exists. Yeah. So founded in 1996, uh, so right when digital was starting. And if you remember back then, it was a little bit of the Wild West. Anything that you could imagine, you can get done. And we had a lot of fun creating things on the fly, but there was a, a realization at the time that unless we are going to standardize uh, how we go to market uh, in a more meaningful way, digital will never scale. So at its most kind of basic form, uh, IB was created to, to set industry standards, whether it's ad sizes, ad package back in the day, if you were a an old school digital practitioner, terms and conditions, uh, working alongside the four A's. We did that uh, along the way. So it's a trade association based on, originally it was based on publishers and ad tech. Uh, and then over the years, we have grown to include brands, uh, marketers directly. We have over 170 brands in the IAB family uh, and agencies. So we are we, we call ourselves the big tent. We are a digital ecosystem play. We don't believe in the kind of us versus them mentality. We all sit at the table trying to solve uh, the most vexing uh, challenges. So it is still a standard setting body, best practices setting body. We're trying to grow the digital space responsibly. And now that digital in the US is about 70% of the market, I think we've done a reasonably good job. Uh, over the past 25 years. So what's really, you know, what are you paying closest attention to specific to digital marketing? Um, you know, what has been happening of late that you really pay close attention to that you think the marketing community needs to really um, stand up and, and make sure that they're addressing? And then as we move into next year, obviously, what are the sort of the three to five key things that you think they absolutely need to have on their radars if they don't already? So the good news is we do a... Uh, survey every year uh, of our membership and ask what is important. What what are what are you keeping your eye on? So this is not just my opinion. It's kind of based on several the feedback hundred, you're uh, hearing. Members. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously we hear lots of stuff too. Every year since I've been here, three and a half years, measurement has been the number one industry focus, uh, industry challenge, and when, whether that is measurement, kind of myopic measurement in in a single channel or cross-channel measurement that that is the thing that we have we've made tremendous progress as an industry but still have a ways to go mm. so i think measurement is clearly number one the, the other one that and we've been doing this for a couple of minutes and i haven't mentioned ai yet so that's good uh, the <laughs> other one that has come up kind of i would say out of nowhere because ai has been around as as i know you know uh for a long time a decade plus predictive ai has helped us with uh, optimization, bid, bid management, personalization, but generative AI has kind of burst into the scene and uh, is now kind of center of the plate. 
So what, what, how do you take advantage of it? How do we avoid the pitfalls? What are the ethical uses of generative AI? How do we help this make us more efficient? How do we use it for creative? That's a definite area that is top of mind. The other one that has been kind of going strong for several years now is the reinvention of retail and commerce media. And I think the pandemic, as we know, kind of jump-started or accelerated lots of trends and e-commerce was definitely one of them since no one was going to physical retail. Uh, so w whether you're a direct-to-consumer seller or not, uh, I think that the commerce landscape has changed forever. So we're very, very engaged in that. Can you talk um, a little bit more about that, specifically the commerce piece? I know pre-COVID, you guys did a list of um, you know fastest rising DTCs, and there's been obviously an evolution in the, the DT DTC space, the community. Obviously, during COVID, we saw everybody become a direct-to-consumer retailer, or most of them. I mean, there was a lot of... Yes. Um, doubling down on 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 resources and investments so that um, you know marketers could have that direct access but bring us up to speed with where we are now and specific to this piece around commerce that you're talking about um, can you go a little deeper yeah sure and and I'll step actually back before stepping forward because I think it's it goes without saying that the the one of the most important things in today's um, environment is to make sure that you have first-party data, you have a relationship with consumers mm -hmm. in some way. And um, as we have seen kind of the deprecation of Signal, whether that was Apple that Apple's doing several years ago or the third-party cookie, which is being deprecated, invariably, we're not going to be able to rely upon those third-party signals like we have for the past two-plus decades. Mm -hmm. One of the best ways to do that uh, is taking advantage of you know direct uh, relationships with consumers, whether you're selling directly or through an intermediary. Uh, and um, closed loop measurement and attribution, understanding what $1 in the market does to your cash register is a fantastically valuable uh, asset for brands and marketers. Uh, and uh, as such, kind of, I, we think driving the growth of all retailers, figuring out that they have a new a new business in that they are now publishers and can and can help drive that kind of closed loop uh, attribution and reporting. Um, so we have kind of back in the old days uh, of the IAB, we were, we're working with lots and lots of retailers who are now in the publishing game yeah. uh, to figure out how do they go to market, how do they scale their offering, how do they connect the dots. So it's happening in many different ways. It's happening, so DTC is still alive and well. Many of the traditional brands, as I know you know, are trying to take a page out of the DTC playbook yep. and either acquiring DTC companies on their own, launching DTC brands, also trying to make sure that they have that direct uh, consumer relationship. And in places where that's not realistic or not feasible, they're leveraging uh, folks like Walmart and Amazon and others who do have that first party relationship to be able to get the same benefits um, as potentially a DTC brand. It's it's an amazing story and and it hasn't all been written yet. I think it's um, the next couple of years we'll continue to see non-endemic players uh, actually getting in the the retail media network uh, business in a more meaningful way. Yeah, no, it's 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 actually it's an area that Adweek is paying really really close attention to, and and we actually have events that um, acknowledge that and 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 really sort of d drill deep on that. Um, 
for those reasons, right? And I think it's something that everybody's trying to 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 figure out. Um, talk a little bit about um, your goal. You know, IAB's goals. Like, uh, you know, a year from now, can you, how are you going to be able to look back and say we had a successful year? You know, what does success look like for the IAB? So, at the most fundamental level. Success is driving growth of the digital ecosystem in a responsible way. Uh, so we have gotten quite accustomed in our space to nice, healthy, double-digit growth year on year on year. Um, and I do think that there is a bit of gravity that is at play. So as digital becomes much more mature, uh, those kind of significant double-digit numbers are just not realistic. And, and pretty soon, we won't be talking about digital. Digital will be everything. Everything will be digitized. So when digital is invisible, uh, it, it will kind of be our, uh, we will have succeeded in our in our mission, I think. So underneath that surface, um, you know, if we are continuing to grow, what, what are the areas of responsible growth? We're seeing the evolution of responsible media as kind of a catch-all phrase whether it's investment in sustainable uh, activities, investment in DEI, in front and behind the camera, investment in responsible journalism. Uh, so there are things that we need to be doing as an industry that we have a tendency to do a lot of talking about and not entirely a, a enough action uh, about. So we're, we're continually to, continuing to, to, to bang that drum to make sure that we're not only growing, but we're growing in a healthy and responsible manner. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we do, as I said, this annual survey, which keeps us honest. Where, where are we succeeding? Where are we not succeeding? What, do, what does the market want us to do more of or less of? Thought leadership, research, thought leadership events. I think that we do a, a good job, uh, or we're told that we do a good job there. One of our greatest challenges, honestly, uh, which is kind of part and parcel of that question, is getting people to engage and to show up. We say all the time, this is not a spectator sport. Marketing has never been a spectator sport, but now more than ever, you need to you need to participate. You need to be on a working group. You need to go to events. You need to educate yourself. Uh, you can't sit on the sidelines. And I do think that that kind of the, the, the short-termism of the industry is one of our greatest challenges. We're focused on meeting quarterly business results and not necessarily keeping our eye on um, on the longer term prize, which I think is, uh, so we're trying to do that and in every way possible, bring us to our membership as opposed to requiring our members to come to us. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So David, on that point, I want to ask you, 
you know, certainly from a marketer standpoint, and I spent a lot of time with CMOs, you know, um, the industry is, is there's, there's, there's a never an end to the opportunities that CMOs, for example, could get involved with, right? I mean, there are multiple organizations, there's lots of boards. How do you think about, you know, if you were having a conversation with a CMO, why would being involved in the IAB be something that they should choose? And sort of how do they think about navigating the landscape of um, all the industry associations that obviously exist to serve a really important purpose, but trying to find where they fit? What would be your best advice? Oh, that's a great question. Because, I mean, there is no doubt that we have a lot of trade associations uh, in our industry. Some are quite specifically focused. Some are a little bit more uh, general or generically focused. Uh, I, I think that um, this is going to be overly simplistic, so I apologize <laughs> in advance. The digital ecosystem is incredibly complicated. Uh, it, I mean, I've been in the business for 30 years, and in my early days, we spent an awful lot of time on planning. Uh, all of our time was done on planning and strategy. We go to the market and success was that our plan ran. That was, that was yay, we wanted to buy a thousand uh, grading points and we delivered 1100, that was awesome. It is nowhere near as simple uh, these days. Um, folks need to understand the confluence of ad tech and martech. They mm -hmm. need to understand the, the possibilities around data and technology. And, and I think that that doesn't happen via osmosis. You, you need to, uh, you need to em uh, embrace all of that complexity, educate yourself, be in rooms where those things are being discussed, and not be afraid to ask questions that you might think are, uh, are silly, that there aren't any. Uh, the digital supply chain is incredibly complicated. Understanding what happens from where a dollar starts to where you reach a consumer, there's lots and lots of things that happen in the in the middle. And I think that from the CMO on down, you need to understand the trade-offs, where you're, where you're consciously making those trade-offs or where you're unknowingly making those trade-offs. Um, and that's, education is, is kind of the reason why we exist. Um, yeah. And I think that that happens in many forms. It happens in person, it happens in events, it happens in uh, documents and best practices guides. Uh, we have centers of excellence at IAB that are focused on individual areas, audio and video, AR and immersive media, uh, programmatic data and technology. So depending on where you're, you want to lean in, we have opportunities for, uh, for you to get uh, educated. The, the one thing that we haven't mentioned yet, Jenny, which I think is important for folks to know, not terribly sexy, but um, important nevertheless, is data privacy. Uh, and data privacy today is an incredibly complicated, increasingly complicated landscape. Uh, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, we don't have national data privacy reform or, or legislation in the US. We have a patchwork of state laws, which have been reasonably easy, I say that in quotes, to manage if you've had a handful. But over time, we have more and more states that are jumping on board with their own version of kind of what data privacy looks like. So the compliance challenge in the privacy space is another area that you need to be, your teams need to be educated on. Uh, and you need to know what does it mean? What does sensitive data mean in California versus Connecticut versus the other uh, states that are enacting? We predict uh, by the end of next year, we might be in a, in a state where 
uh, pun intended, half of the <laughs> states in the U.S. have uh, data privacy laws, yeah. which is just incredibly complicated to make sure that you don't get you know, caught off uh, off guard by, by uh, doing something that you don't mean to do. So I think that's another area where, uh, once again, not, not necessarily as glamorous as some of the other exciting parts of our business, but really important to know. Absolutely. And now that you're here, you know, having spent so much time on the agency side of this world, what has been the biggest surprise to you? What's been the biggest unlock, you know, as you think back in retrospect to what you could have had access to or, you know, understood to, to frankly um, do things differently or, 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 or lead better even, if that's even possible? But what would have been the learnings that you would have found valuable um, in your years as a practitioner, now that you're at the AIB and you understand the wealth of opportunity and, and resources um, that the organization. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's a really good question. I, I enjoyed my agency time a great deal. Uh, there's lots and lots of uh, benefits to being on that side of the equation, being an agent of a variety of marketers in lots of different vertical categories. I always loved learning about some new area that I don't know in the business. So that, that was that was awesome. I was focused on investment and investment over time has become much and much more you know, procurement led, efficiency driven. And that wasn't necessarily exactly where my uh, interest uh, lied. Um, I, I do think that the area of public policy is one that I didn't appreciate nearly enough when I was on the agency side. We paid attention when we had to pay attention, when CCPA was passed, when GDPR was passed. We got smart on that on behalf of our clients. But uh, being on the front foot, helping to drive what that next policy is, that was not our, that was not our, our gig. And that is the gig uh, at IB. We are active in Washington. We have people that are lobbying day in and day out for whether it's uh, data privacy, whether it's uh, ethical use of AI and algorithms, whether it's Section 230, lots and lots of things that we're uh, active on. So I didn't have a full appreciation for that when I was on the agency side. And that's been eye-opening. Eye-opening in lots of ways. I mean, being in Washington, which I go to quite frequently, walking the halls, the congressional buildings, uh, meeting with staffs. It's its an honor. It's a privilege. Uh, there's a lot of education that is required. Uh, back to the point that we made before, it's a complicated business. And we have lots of our kind of, you know, senators and representatives um, and their staffs uh, are really trying to get uh, educated so we can have laws that are are good, good for the economy, good for society, good for the future. So I think that's the number one thing that I look back at my agency days and I think, could I have been more involved in that um, back then? But it's definitely a big part of my my role now. That's great. And really, the last question I want to ask you is about the upcoming um, ALM, the Advertising Leadership Meeting uh, 2024. That is going to be in Florida on Marco Island. Um Tell me a little bit about that this year. You know, what's going to be unique about ALM this year? Um, wh- you know, why should people seek it out as a resource? To your point about, you know, for learning, for knowledge, for networking. What's going to be yep. different? Yeah. So ALM, which is our kind of annual kind of place to stake in the ground. What are we going to be focused on as an industry and as IB, as a representative of the industry for the coming year? 
So many of the things that we talked about will be kind of on display. It's about 1,200 or so uh, industry leaders. We're, we're, and it's really the ecosystem. So while it was, when I was growing up in the business, ALM was really a publisher ad tech uh, conference. Over the past couple of years, we have made a concerted effort to bring in much more of the, the buy side, uh, so agencies and brands. Earlier this year- And, we and why is that? I mean, obviously answer, but well, why, I mean, why there, do that? There yeah. is value. There is value to uh, talking to yourself. There is value to talking to a uh, specific cohort, but we think that there's much greater value uh, when we serve things up on stage as an example around measurement. Uh, we have one of my favorite, I'm sure, uh, sessions in the new ALM will be, we have four CEOs from leading measurement companies, Nielsen Comscore, uh, VideoAmp and iSpot, uh, talking about the future of uh, measurement. Uh, the debate is much more engaging when you have all perspectives uh, represented. And uh, so agencies and brands are a key component of that. So 30% of our constituents that attended ALM were uh, buy-side constituents last year. We think it's going to be even more in 2024. We're excited about the activity that we're doing with you. We have a breakfast uh, focused on AI with a bunch of leading uh, marketers uh, as well. We'll be talking about gender of AI. We'll be talking about responsible media. We'll be talking about commerce. We'll be talking about uh, data and technology. All the things, the streaming future, the, the migration of linear dollars, linear television dollars to uh, streaming, all the, the topics that we're all living and breathing. And we'll be debating, how, what should we be doing to, to move things forward? There's no shortage of, as you said, no shortage of things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're a big believer in uh, moving the ball forward and getting things accomplished. Uh, so what are the areas that we can work on together? And we have breakout sessions, we'll get feedback from the audience. So um, I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's, it's the best event for us, I think, of the year. We obviously have the new fronts and the podcast up fronts and the play fronts. All the marketplace events are also very valuable. But ALM is, um, that's our Super Bowl. So, Absolutely. Uh, we're super excited about it. Well, I'm excited for you. And in fact, uh, you referenced it, the breakfast we're doing together. So um, Monday morning of the week, we're going to have an invitation-only um, breakfast. It's kind of a closed-door, safe space, uh, curated room so that um, marketing executives um, and their plus one, their rising stars, you know, the people who are sort of um, making decisions with them, to your point earlier about really sort of getting this education and this awareness and knowledge um, a little bit deeper into the organization, we're going to be exploring the CMO and marketer's role in um, driving responsible AI w- throughout organizations, certainly for the marketing priority, but also, um, you know, acro- across uh, across the org. So um, super excited about that um, and very excited to be there, David. So I look forward to it and I look forward to seeing you in person. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to seeing you too. Just a couple of other, if you haven't uh, registered yet, you certainly should do that. We have um, Aaron Sorkin, uh, who I'm sure many of you have seen a lot of his work. He's going to be on stage. Uh, we've got Senator Marsha Blackburn uh, going to be uh, on stage. We, we've got a lot of really, uh, I think, um, diverse and per, uh, perspectives uh, that we're going to bring on stage, which hopefully you'll uh, you'll be there to get to see. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here with me today uh, for this conversation. And we'll talk more soon. Thanks. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.